And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hulk. Uh, we got an amazing, great pod. Super excited for this episode. Uh, let's go. Yeah, first time in a while we can hop on here and uh, say that the Tar Heels are coming off of a win against Miami at home in probably the least impressive way possible to win a football game. Uh, I didn't go. I was at a wedding with the associate fact checker. Uh, Big Hawk was there. Uh, they the, the squad was out in full force, mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand, this weekend. A lot of water getting drunk out there. Very, very, very hydrated come come Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean, the heels in heels fashion looked okay, looked bad, and then sort of won in spite of themselves. You, did you spend – do you remember the game? Do I remember um... – do you remember the memorable game? I do. Uh, I do remember the game, uh, but the game wasn't the most exciting part. Um, Tango Tyler came out later that night. Tango, Pinko de Mayo, uh, Salsa, Hansbro showed up, which was the best part of the whole the whole day. But the game, hey, we won. We beat Miami. Miami's traditionally a good football program, and uh, I don't care – how bad they are. I don't care if it's a JV team. I don't care if it's a peewee team. We play them. I want to win. I don't care what people say. Ah, you know, it's my, we won. All right. Be happy with it. We'll take what we can get at this point. Um, and the game was great. I sat up there, uh, in a nice little, uh, little box, enjoyed myself as it rained on some people. I got a nice little, um, little view and I uh, criticized every mistake that we made and acted like I knew uh, <laughs> knew a lot about football. Hey man, can't hide money, but also you're right. I mean, at this rate, we'll take a win how we can get it. I was watching, uh, I was at a wedding. Uh, this is the second one that I have been to with Mary and I don't know anyone there, right? So a uh, couple of dudes hit it off with, we're hanging, don't, they don't know anybody there either. One dude's watching the Georgia game, acting like they might lose. And I'm like, come on, buddy. You guys are just blowing the doors off of Kentucky. Meanwhile, I'm watching Carolina, worried we're going to lose. And it's looking more and more and more like we're going to lose. And then, you know, we go down there and intercept intercept the ball with like six seconds left. Um, all Miami had to do at that point was was kick a field goal and they would tie the game. So I didn't really do – I didn't dive into the details to point to your point, I mean, there was one stat I was looking at is win or loss, uh, 45-42. I think the over-under on the game was 64. That's the most important stat. Yeah, so. that's a big stat. Big time, hard-hitting stat. And now we head into Notre Dame after a week off on the road. This was our Super Bowl. We've said it about 17 times, and each week it was like, hey, this is the one. Uh, now it is uh, – to me, it's irrelevant – but I think we're three and three. We four and three. We're four and three. So we could come out of there and and really just ruin Notre Dame's season. I think that's mm-hmm. the that's. But we got some, we got some tough games left. We talk, always talk about not looking ahead. But we've got Notre Dame on the road. We've got Wake Forest, who's like what are they like top ten? Mm-hmm. And then you got NC State last game mm-hmm. of the season. So there's three games that at this point we should not win. It does not look like we're going to win apples to apples. And you know. I think if you come out of the season winning those three games, you kind of salvage a lot given where we've been and where we're at. Well, that's why you play them. That's true. Um, And, you know, here we are. Um, My brother went to Notre Dame, 
And the the majority of people that I have met from Notre Dame, they let you know, as soon as they meet you, they feel <laughs> obligated uh, to tell you they're from Notre Dame. I don't know if it's a whole Catholic, it's a sin uh. if you don't tell people you went to Notre Dame if you went to Notre Dame. Um, so for that fact, I want to go in there and I absolutely want to beat the absolute dog shit out of them. Okay. There's a lot of things I don't like about Notre Dame and we can start with that. It's a, it's a private school. Uh, not a big fan of that from the country. Uh, the uppity mentality, let's go take it to them. Uh, this is our season. This is what's going to bring us to life. We're, we are on life support right now. If we lose to Notre Dame, they're going to yank the cords and we die. Um, so this is a huge game for us. Um, I'm excited because it could be a big moment for us. And a lot of people have written us off after three win- or three losses. I don't care. We've got players. We've got a really good quarterback. We've got a res- receiver. And we got some guys that can step up and play. And we're going to find out who on this team – has a little bit of cowboy in them where they come out and they just said, I don't care what we're in. I'm going to grind and I'm going to do what I can to help this team win. You know, build off of that. You know, we went out. We got to win this game in Notre Dame first, but three losses in the whole year. Yeah, that sucks, but that's not bad. Yeah, so here's – here's we keep going. You know, I feel like every single week we're like, ah, oh, yeah, we kind of suck, but if we went out, right? Mm-hmm. But But here it is. All right, we got five games left, three of which are on the road. Four of those opponents are in the top 25. Notre Dame's 13. We're on the road there. Wake is 16, top team in the conference, it seems, by far. Pitt, ahead of us in the Coastal Division, they're 23rd. Then we get Wofford, and then um, then NC State last game of the season. They're number 18, both of which are playing really well. Uh, Wake Forest, NC State, 1-2 in the Atlantic. Uh, Notre Dame would be if they would pick a fucking conference. And then Pittsburgh, number one in the Coastal, right? So really, you've got four ranked teams left. you got five games left, four of which are ranked teams. Only one of those games is of those last five is at home, and it's Wofford. Hey, dude, if you're going to turn into the Carolina that we expect to see at the beginning of the season, now would be a fantastic time to do it. you got a week off. Get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Figure out like what third down means and that the, that the goal of football is to take third down and turn it into fourth down. And the best way to do that is by tackling someone before they get to the line gain. And, I mean, we'll score points all day long. 45. Well, we scored 25 at uh, FSU in a terrible game. 45, 38, mm-hmm. 22, Georgia Tech. I mean, we're scoring. We can score all day long. Mm-hmm. We can't stop a freaking – Couldn't. Couldn't guard a statue. Lord him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. We, uh, yeah, so we we really got to work on the defensive side of the ball. But to your point, the season, if you win out, which is extraordinarily unlikely, if you win out, I think the season's a win. And we said, actually, in the first pod before we got here, hey, if we finish the season with three losses, like, it's going to be a good season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hard, hard, tough sled in getting there. You know, and but sleep. I, I would love to hear your we'd be pers- eight and three perspective on this one. When I watch UNC's offense, um, obviously they don't have the guns that they did last year. I don't like the fact that Sam Howell is putting his head down and running. It seems like every other play, and this guy took a took a licking, kept on ticking. But uh, I mean, it's just only you know I watch it and he is just bouncing around out there. And I don't know. It doesn't look like he's big enough to be like a big Ben. 
Um, not even close. Or like a cam that can kind of like, you know, absorb those hits. Yeah. You know, I always feel like when I look at Sam Howell, he's not that big, and I always feel like a a Drew Brees size wise size wise uh, comparison. Six one, but he's two twenty. Six one, standing on a phone book. Yeah, two twenty with a thumb on the scale, but nonetheless, he's stocky. Now, what is Drew Brees? Drew Brees, I think, is five ten. Uh, let's see here. Go well, the trusty goggle. Uh, he's six foot, so that means he's five ten. Everybody knows there's no such thing as man being six foot tall. Uh, it doesn't say how much he weighs. Uh, he is forty two years old. He does have a lot of kids, according to Wikipedia. Um, yeah, but same wife, I, I, I think. Yeah, same yeah. wife. So actually, a uh, lot, a lot, a whole lot of kids. Um, looks likes, like about four or five. Has of a hobby. Them. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but but to your point, I do think that's 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 the best comparison because they both got cannon. And the thing of the thing that you know you have to respect, and you talk a lot about Sam, you know, putting his head down and running. And I respect it because he's jeopardizing him. He's putting himself out there. Because mm-hmm. clearly, man, if I'm this dude, I'm kind of like, I'm sitting in the pocket and nobody's open. I'm throwing the ball out and I'm shrugging my sh- I'm Ben Simmons in the rest of the game. Like, what the hell is everybody else doing here? I'm the main attraction. But he doesn't do that, man. He uh, He's at this point, let's face it, on a, on a mediocre and disappointing team. And he comes out and just freaking brings it every game. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like we've got to at some point establish somebody. And I see this, and I don't know a lot about football. I think they might be spending too much time on the the Hail Mary plays. Mm-hmm. And I watch um, Tom Brady's really good at this, is like getting three, four yards and being st- strategic in the fact that he's trying to get you know, field goal position. He's trying to get, you know, they're out of it. He's trying to get into better punting position. He plays it really smart. And at some point, I feel like some of the calls could be, you know, could be be a little more productive or manage the game easier if we didn't go for a Josh Downs 50-yarder every other play. You know, let's incorporate a tight end. Uh, let's get these three, four yard downs, a quick handoff, and let's get this ball moving a little bit. And from the lack of football knowledge that I have offensively, this is something I think we could tone into. Uh, but defensively, Jesus Christ, guys, can we tackle somebody a little bit better? And let's own the line. I mean, yeah. I got, I mean, the best part about what me and Sleep are doing right now is we can watch the game. A week later, we can come in here and just bitch and tell oh, you yeah. what you did wrong. Yep. And there's nothing better in sport. Very good at bitching. Just to complain. And like, <laughs> why do you guys do that? And I love doing it because I've been on the other end of it for so long. Yeah. And uh, I guarantee I know a lot more about football than a lot of the things that were asking me about basketball. Yeah. They, um, so Sam has rushed the ball. He's the second leading rusher on the team, not just in yards. So Ty Chandler's our, our running back, right? He's got mm-hmm. 106 rushes for 588. That's five and a half yards a carry. That's great, right? DJ Jones, our backup, tw- 38, uh, 38 rushes from 167, four and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Caleb Hood, I always wonder why he doesn't get more burn. I mean, I think he's supposed to be like the heir apparent. Dude's got six, and he's only rushed 14 times. Every time he touches the ball, he gets six yards. Sam Howell, 96 carries, 494 yards, five yards a carry. So, I mean, dude, Sam has rushed the ball 100 times. He's passed the ball 200 times. So mm-hmm. a third of the time he's dropping back, he's rushing. Now, you have to wonder how much of that, what percentage of that is a play call and what percentage of that is improvisation by Sam, right? And to your point, 
I, I agree that with the weapons you do have, you shouldn't be – I mean, it's effective. He's got five touchdowns on the ground. He's clearly an effective runner. Um, but yeah, you have to wonder sometimes. I mean, you got Josh Downs has got 837 yards on 60 catches. The next guy has 11 catches for 253. Hey, so does it give you the stat of, you know, he has those catches, uh, per catch, what's the yardage? 13.9. So this guy, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, on average, he's getting 13 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. I mean, that's not realistic. I mean, you got to go for those six, five yarders. Yeah. He's got 60 like- catches. He's got eight touchdowns. I mean, that's like, that's a pretty high 12% of his catches are touchdowns. And Josh Downs is a hell of a player. Great player. Um, the guy's about as big as my foot, though. Um, yeah, he's kind of little. I think he's 5'10, 180. But no, nah, he's had a heck of a year, and I don't want to take away from that. 5'10, 180. He nailed that yeah. one. Yeah. And um, he's also a sophomore, so he's got some room to. To, to bulk up a little. He ain't going to grow any, but, uh, you know, you get 5'10", 195, he could be effective, uh, uh, you know, what do they call it, a slot guy? Yeah, I'm not sure what Wes Welker was. Mm-hmm. Um, He's about that, that size. About that build, and that would be a comparison I would like to see. And Wes Welker, he did a lot of mm-hmm. those short passes with yeah. Brady, and it wasn't like, you know, he was going for the deep ball every single time. Yeah, that's what I wonder. They don't run more of that sort of West Coast style, you know, like the, the sort of – you know, they do a lot of that whole run up to the line, look around and clap. And yeah. it's like, dude, what the hell is that? You know, just, just mm-hmm. it doesn't, it, I don't know. Maybe it's a pro style offense. Like you, I don't know what the hell I'm, I'm talking about when it comes to play calling and stuff. All I can go is by the eye test and your, your statistics sort of are lopsided here. You've got a, you've got a, a receiver that catches, that has more production by himself than pretty yeah. much the rest of the receiving core combined. And you have a, a quarterback that is a Heisman candidate. Right, he's not throwing anybody else the ball. Yeah. Not even tight ends. No, I you agree. know, so you gotta you gotta mix it up a little bit. And there's been a lot, dude. And again, I am way in over my head when I start talking about coaching and all this sort of stuff in any sport. But you know, there, they, there's there's people coming after the offensive coordinator. There's a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of questions about some of those play calls and that sort of thing. And look, at the end of the day, I just look at the stats and I'm like, when all of your production is coming from such a narrow point, like. It, 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 you're bound to give other teams the ability to, you know, to focus in on you and, and shut you down. Yeah, you know? and you know when you make the contracts that these uh, assistant football coaches make, which is absurd amount of money, you know, you got to take this criticism. Uh, yeah, we pay you, we put these expectations on you. You know, me and sleep. We just Googled some statistics right here. We just pulled it up. Basically, what we're doing is buying scratch-off lottery tickets yeah. every down and hoping to hit the uh, Mega Millions. And we know the analytics on that one because I was a huge scratch-off lottery ticket guy. And I know that you're not going to win every time Every time you buy one of those things. And actually, the odds are against you. Yeah, kind are, of the same thing you. in a home run in the Hail Mary yeah. in football. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you I know, know from playing DraftKings that uh, even if you kind of have a clue, uh, you ain't gonna win very often. <laughs> so Notre Dame next week. Uh, you know we'll see. I mean, usually we break it down, but at this point, what's the point, right? We're definitely not favored. We're on the road. I'm predicting we lose. I hate doing that, but I'm predicting sincerely that we do not win that game. I got us winning by. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, a touchdown. Oh wow, that would be a that would be a huge upset. On to our next segment, man. Another uh, sort of turning of the tide, if you will. Hopefully, uh, this year, last year, Hawk Talk. Uh, 
you can break down where we're at early on basketball season. And this is just an we're going to get into depth with this basketball season, and we're going to bring you player breakdowns, what we think. But uh, the preseason awards just came out, and we got Baycott, first team, all ACC, and we got Caleb Lupp, second team, all ACC. So right away, uh, these are the two guys that attended the ACC media day. So what that tells me is Coach Davis has a lot of, one, a lot of respect, two, a lot of expectations. If I were going to look at these two players, especially going off of last year, I thought UNC played well when Baycott played well. You know, I do have a lot of expectations for Baycott because I think this player grew a lot from his freshman to his sophomore year. I think he's talented, and I think he's really improved himself and from the aspect of you know his production around the rim I think he's a good rebounder I think he's one of the best if not the best rebounder in college I think he can get very good offensive rebounds defensive with that said I think he only averaged uh, seven or eight boards a game last year uh, he should improve on that because he has the ability to do and he wants to be a great player and that's what great players do. I think he has the potential to do that. Now, he's going to have to put the work in, and he's going to have to go out there and earn that. But I like to see this, and I think Baycott's capable of that. Caleb Love is somebody that I've been around in pickup. I've been around him you know, his freshman year. Uh, I really don't think we got the best. I don't think we saw what Caleb is capable of his freshman year. I think uh, – if you were to ask him, I don't think he lived up to what he wanted. I think that, you know, that can motivate a player. That can also applying more pressure to yourself can put you in situations where, you know, I just don't think that was beneficial. I got to play for this team, not for expectations of myself. You know, that whole mindset. But I think Caleb Love is extremely talented. And I've been around him. I think his mindset going into this season is incredible. And I'm not sure who he's talking to or what he's done, but this guy is putting in work and he's showing up every single day. And he doesn't have a you know, I just didn't play good last year. No, he's going out there and he's earning it. I mean, he's going to, I think he's going to have an amazing year and I hope he does. But, you know, this is good to see. You know, I'm excited for these guys. You know, as we saw last year, and I'm going to talk about this on Hawk Talk. Let's not forget that these are... This is Hawk Talk, buddy. This, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're hawking it up, okay? (laughs) So what we saw last year, sleep, and this is a big deal. These are preseason awards. This mm-hmm. doesn't mean this mm-hmm. doesn't this means Jack Diddley shit. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've always felt that way. These are a bunch of people handing out awards that don't have a fucking clue. Yeah. We saw this with Garrison Brooks yeah. last year. He was picked to have be the ACC player of the year, and I think he was picked to be in first teamer. You know, th- sometimes this can apply pressure to people mm-hmm. and make them, you know, feel obligated to live up these expectations. No. We're just saying if Baycott goes out there and has a great attitude and does what he can, this is what he's capable of. Same thing with Caleb. And I think Caleb Love's capable of being one of the best players in college. You know, it's but this preseason stuff doesn't mean anything. Yeah, the preseason's bullshit. And I'm glad. This is this is sort of, you know, we came in the poll at nineteen in the preseason. In the ACC we're picked third. You know, Duke, Florida State, then us. I really like the fact that it seems pretty tempered, right? It seems like kind of fair because it's UNC and nine times out of 10, you're going to be ranked and whether you deserve to be or not or whatever. But but Caleb Love, man, that guy earned so much of my respect 
when he came back last year because everybody was talking shit about him and how bad he was and this, that, and the other. You got people transferring. You got people going to the league. You got, you know, guys just seemed dissatisfied. And he's the one dude that was like, I'm coming back. You know, and everybody was worried about his dad saying this or tweeting that or whatever the situation was. And I think I, I really respect it because I think he made the right decision for himself. Mm-hmm. I think it was smart for him to come back. I think he probably could have tried to go pro and probably mm-hmm. would have gotten drafted, but I don't think he would have done himself much service. And he's the guy. He is really the guy that um, I think that I think Caleb Love is. There's just no chance he makes the second team All ACC. He's either going to be in contention for the Player of the Year, or he's not going to be anywhere to be found. Yeah. I just think he's I think he's that good and I think he is um you know I'm really interested to see how Hubert coaches him because I think his role is less of a point and more of just a sh- straight up scorer. And if you yeah. just sort of let him do his thing and, and and I don't know, I'm really excited about him. Baycott is I think I see Baycott making the ascension where Garrison sort of descended, right? Yeah. He's standing there and he he's another guy that could really be a huge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's going to be the big factor on the team. Both these guys are, whether it's good or bad, but I think he can really make a statement and, 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 and um, you know, lift his stock a lot. But it's no secret we're riding high on those two guys and uh, the way they go is probably going to be pretty indicative of how we go as a team. Yeah. Got guys like Kerwin, you know, um, It'll be interesting to see if, you know, when teams have had a chance to study him a little bit, does he, mm-hmm. is he, is he still as effective as he was last year? You know, you got some younger guys coming in. We're going to get all into that in a couple of weeks here in the, uh, you know, patented Sleephawk Worldwide UNC basketball preview. But I uh-huh. think for right now, you know, these things just coming out, I, I, I'm okay with it, right? Like, I feel like there's not a whole lot there. It's just very vanilla. We got a couple guys here that are sort of middle of the pack. We sort of are not really expected to do a whole lot in the league. We didn't come out in the rank ninth or some bullshit, which is do- totally would be unjustifiable. I just feel like we can finally play from a position where the expectations are, you know, not that big of a deal right now. Yeah. And let me make this point these kids have been through a lot. Um, last year was a COVID year. And I know that a lot of people, were disappointed in the early exit, but you know, I couldn't imagine being in school and being isolated, then having to go and prepare for a you know a game practice, and then you got all these COVID testing, then you have all these uh restrictions and mask, and it's just a different way of life. Then all of a sudden, you slap this on a team, you know, that was difficult. Let's not act like Coach Williams leaving was was easy for any of these guys. Yeah. Uh, You know, they thought they were going to play for a Hall of Famer. Then out of nowhere in April, first of April, Coach Williams retires. I'm not complaining about that. Hubert's going to do a great job. I've got a lot of faith in Hubert, and I'm excited. Yeah. And uh, I really like the coaching staff that he's put together, and I think he's doing an unbelievable job. You know, these kids have been through a lot, and I've got a lot of respect for them. I'm happy to see how hard they're working, and they're not using an excuse just to not work or 
you know, last year, you know, they're putting in that work. They have a better mindset. They want to accomplish things. They don't care what the circumstances are. We want to win. And I love that mentality. I'm optimistic. I think we have much more depth this year, but we'll get into that later. And I'm excited. Yeah. Things tip off uh, November 9th, first game of the season uh, against, I think it's Loyola. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. I mean, we'll see, we'll see what we have and, and, and maybe for between now and then we'll, just worry, worry about uh, what's real instead of what's expected. Last week's game of the week, man, the Canes Islanders. We didn't really have a whole lot football-wise. Actually, the snoozer wound up being pretty good with Jacksonville kicking a field goal and wherever they were, England, to win. Um, but it was the Canes Islanders, and there was a lot of cool stuff came out of that. It was opening night for the Hurricanes. For those of you not in the Raleigh area where we do the podcast, it was also the first night of the State Fair. So me, Big Hawk, fact checker, go to the Canes game. I get in an Uber, and I'm like a mile. I'm on the interstate, and I'm a mile from the stadium, and it's just I'm sitting there 10, 15 minutes, and just we haven't moved. So I tell the dude – Hey, man, I'm just going to get out here. I thought we were in D.C. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. It was like we were in Los Angeles at 5.01 p.m. in 2016 on a Thursday. And, I mean, we're just gridlock. And so mm-hmm. I get out of the car, and I'm just walking down the interstate, which it feel, felt really weird. felt like I was in, like, uh, one of those end-of-days movies, you know, because everybody's just sitting in a car. And people were, like, cheering for me. They're like, dude, you're brilliant, man. You're going to get there. And I get there, I sit down. Right when they're doing the starting lineup, man, I walk right in there. Got a massive about $44 beer and went and sat down and watched the Canes just <laughs> lay wood to Islanders. And, uh, man, it was a blast. The Canes win 6-3. You see nine goals in a hockey game. Usually they don't score nine goals all season, right? But there were two really funny things. So before Big Hawk gets there, right? So old Sleep Dog, man, I wear these glasses now. My eyes are going bad on me. I didn't have them because I don't like wearing them. And I'm like, kind of like, what's the point in a hockey game? Well, we're sitting sort of like in the whatever, little elbow part of the, the oval, uh, just above the glass, and dude, somebody just rifles one. Something happens, dude. And this puck is coming right between my eyes, dude. And I'm sitting around all these people, and I just dive out of the way. And of course, it hits the net like 50 feet from me. And everybody turns and looks at me. And I just look like a dipshit because I just got scared of a puck that like physically impossible to hit me. So that was the first thing, and I was like, "Damn, guys, sorry." I was like, "Have my, I have my glasses on." And, you know, everybody's just laughing at me. And the second thing, before the first goal, before you guys got there, mm-hmm. it's at the other end, and they we make the save, and or no, we're shooting to, at their goalie on the other end of the ice, opposite end of the oval, and blah blah blah. There's a bunch of mixing it up around the net. The referees blow the whistle. They stop the play. We're going to review whether that crossed the line. Everybody's all hyped up about it. They're playing all this music and stuff. Like What seemed like 10 minutes later, they come out. Like After review, the puck crossed the line as a goal. So I stand up, and I'm like cheering. And it turns out they were reviewing a play from five minutes ago. And I'm cheering, and it crossed our line. And it was a goal for the Islanders. Mm. And I was like, I mean, this is right after the whole puck fiasco. And – um. Yeah, so I got a lot to learn, you know, um, but nonetheless, we came back. The Canes are now, f- they have won four consecutive games while Sleephawk Worldwide is in full attendance. Me and the Big Hawk there, we haven't lost. Yeah, um, 
I was all in. The Islanders, first of all, are a contender. Pick to win the league. And they had the stupidest thing. It's it's even it's it's worse than the Jets, Jets, Jets thing. Oh yeah. It's where they do the point fingers and then they go, oh, Jesus. I don't know what in the hell it was, but hey, we we dropped them. Canes are great. Did you have the storm brew that was a thousand dollars? I did. I started out with a wicked weed because I was like, let oh, me get boy. the heavy one in here first. And that that really set a good That's solid a rib base. Eye. Yeah. And then the old storm brew is like uh yeah, I mean, it's like I don't I don't know what it is. It ain't bad. It ain't good. It is expensive. Uh it is large. So I mean I had a couple of those bad boys and uh just went nuts for the next two periods and we didn't have nothing. We didn't see anything like the guy we did the last game we went in the last playoff when, when Big Hawk cranked the horn. We we literally saw a wow. guy drink seven. These are twenty-two ounce hoppiums okay this dude drank seven of them and by the way they closed the concessions at the at the end of the second intermission this dude drank seven that is 154 i believe ounces of hoppium in 40 minutes so my first question is how many times did i go to the go to the bathroom um, second, just to piss, and we're not even talking about the next morning. You better bring the plunger and a triple ply. Um, so my, you know, the, the thing is I don't like about these new beers is, Ugh. and this is like a huge thing, these beers and these craft IPAs and these, you know, they come out of the weirdest places with the weirdest name, like the, the starfish with, uh, dusted, I don't Omaha, know. Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Nebraska, wherever it's at. And I'm just sitting here, and then you look at it, and it's like 12%. Mm. And, you know, after two or three of these things, you are on the moon. Oh, or and the map. On the moon. And I'm like, man, I would like to know what I'm getting into. Why? You know, I like, actually, I like the Storm Brew. I think it's extremely good, the first half of it. And then somehow it kind of, the taste just kind of mellows out. It's like the uh, the zebra stripe gum. Remember that when you were a kid, you'd get that zebra stripe, the 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 gum no, with the yeah. zebra on it, and mm-hmm. man, it was great for three chews. <laughs> and then it was like the box it came in. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it's uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's I got I went and got two beers and a pretzel, and it was thirty bucks. And Sleep Dog is not one to complain about the price of goods because I don't give a shit if I'm hungry and if I want a beer, I don't really care. But I'm like, man, it is. We've been really used to hanging out, watching games at home, drinking a case of White Claw for $14. Uh, yeah, and, you know, we're not even going to get into the Carolina Inn prices because yeah. you got to make a life decision there. Yeah, you do. do you want to eat the rest of the week or do you want to yeah. get this one claw? Yeah. You want to make rent um, or you want a couple claws? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, people, cut us a break. All we want to do is get a claw. Now, you know. Carolina got, in debt. Car- Carolina Inn, they have the <laughs> worst they they do, they have the worst system. Now you got to buy a ticket. Uh, you got to stand in line to buy a really? ticket, and then you take the ticket and you get your drink. A lot of times, the bartenders don't act that very happy to be there either. No, they I'm don't. Be honest. And good. I God. love going to Carolina. Great vibe. But sometimes you go in there and they're just like, dude, no, we can't do that. Um, you know. Anyway, I'm just sort of like, okay, well, I'll see you in a little while when I'm blackout, and uh, we'll go from there. How about? And, you know, we don't complain about service. Yeah. We really don't. Like, we get it. Hey, you got I don't think I'd be very happy to deal with us either. I'm not, so let me just put that out there. But 
I think we're an easy crew. We're not going up there trying to get mixed drinks. We just want a couple claws. Yeah, we might be a little loud about it from time to time. I mean, we get thirsty. Well, when you sit there and you've you've got to reload and you're like, hey, can I get a claw? I don't want to sit here and (laughs) like pull down and smell it, watch you open a bottle of wine. I just want a claw. Like reach down there. I have a tab open. One claw on that tab and that's it. Pretty recognizable last name. uh, yeah, but hey, that's a whole different subject. Hey, shout out to Carolina and yeah. whatever, man. Who yeah, cares? They're our we, sponsor. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we need it. Um, this week's game of the week is a big one, okay? We do, we hate baseball in this show. We talk a lot of shit about baseball. Why? Because baseball sucks these days. It's boring. Nobody cares. But everybody cares on this East Coast here when the Braves are in contention. Uh-huh. And based on what I understand, pretty surprisingly, they're ahead two games none in the, in the NLCS. Our game of the week is game four. So we're recording this thing as we speak on Tuesday. They play here in an hour or a few hours, game three. And here's why game four is so important. Because if the Braves win tonight, then tomorrow, when when you're listening to this Sleep Hawk Nation – uh, Braves are going to have a chance to sweep and go to the World Series, I think, for the first time since, what, like 95? Have they been since they went to, in 95? Yeah, it's 95. Okay. I know for sure. If they don't, yeah, I bet. <laughs> if they don't, then L.A. has a chance to tie the series. L.A.'s won like 200 games, and they ain't played but 100. And that chance uh, would be to to tie the series, and that pretty much changes everything. So it's a big game, and there's also a bunch of other shitty games. Uh, so it's kind of what we what we landed on. I haven't seen one second of postseason baseball. Uh, I will probably watch tonight and uh, and then tomorrow. But have you watched any of the games? And then you know, the Braves won two walk offs. Apparently, pretty crazy uh, to go up two zero. I mean, maybe I'm missing out. Yeah, I have watched the games. Problem is, you got to sleep for two and a half hours before you get to the part that's exciting. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, I, I have watched the games. Uh, my girlfriend's a huge Giants fan, and the Dodgers uh, eliminated them. But um, yeah, I'm. I was pulling for the Giants because um, we went and watched the game. I mean, because you got the sweatshirt. I did. I'm financially invested, and their sweatshirt <laughs> was cheaper than a, a than beer, a, cheaper than a claw at Carolina Inn. Um, could have could have bought a. Uh, could have bought a whole wardrobe if I was going to spend my money. Could have bought out Buster Posey's contract. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, I I don't know. A side of me says let's pull for the Dodgers because Big Dan pulls for the Braves. And Mm. uh, the Braves, it seems like there tends to be a lot of Braves fans in this area. And I just feel like they're just the biggest group of bandwagoners out there. I haven't heard Dan talk about the Braves until they're almost in the World Series. (laughs) Um, and now we got somebody that works out at the domes, a huge Braves fan. Mm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a Mets fan, dude. So I just, uh, like, I mean, you gotta be a real G to be a Mets fan, Washington <laughs> football team, Mets fan, Carolina football fan. I mean, it just doesn't get much more painful than that trio. Um, I don't give a shit about the Braves. I don't give a shit about the Dodgers. I don't give a shit about the Red Sox. I don't give it. I kind of hope that the Astros go again. Because the drama, you know, those guys, it, it's so funny to me. Like, I saw this little segment, like, on ESPN the other day where the Astros guys were all trying to, like, you know, oh, we're just letting that stuff go and, you know, we're letting our games. It's like, bro, you guys are fucking cheaters. 
Like, there's just no way around it. Half of y'all shouldn't even be in the league. I don't think they took their World Series away, which was ridiculous. Like, I, you know, I think though they're like the biggest villain of any team I can remember. Do you think they did anything yes. that other teams didn't? I, dude, yes. I, dude, I played baseball for a long time at a, at a obviously at a young level. There's, there are like, unwritten rules like they're they're like it's weird because there's like certain cheating that's accepted like the third base coach if the if the catcher's pulling the you know putting the sign down too far where like someone can see his fingers or if you're at second taking a lead you can see it's the whole reason why they codify you know now the the catcher doesn't just put one finger down for a fastball it's like it's like the third sign is where to find the sign in his sequence and they have to mix it all up and stuff because they know this guy's looking there's certain things that are like just gamesmanship and then there's just blatantly trying to cheat yeah and like banging on the trash can bro like when you start listening and you know what you're listening for mm-hmm. and it's a rampant thing believe me man like like baseball people are really superstitious and and they're also oddly like um what goes on in one place goes on everywhere. And the fact that it didn't there, like, I mean, if it were going on other places, like it would be pretty easy to discern after they figured out that the Astros were cheating. Mm -hmm. And those guys aren't going to get that pissed over it. I don't know. I just feel like those dudes are scumbags. Bottom line. I agree with you. Um, a side of me says it, I would like to see the Astros win because I'd like to see everybody getting it. Just freak out. Yeah, just get pissed off again. Um, but, hey, those guys cheated, man. They broke the rules. They did some things that other teams don't do. You know, there's a side of me that's always like, how can I get a competitive advantage? Mm-hmm. But there's also a side that you cross the line definitely, and there's no place in sport for that. And you got to have some morals at some point, and that's where I lay. I'm not pulling for the Astros. Um, but well, the I don't dumb know. part is they were really good too, and they were arrogant about the fact that they were cheating. You know, yeah. that was the part that bothered me. No, I agree with that. Yeah, you got to be. Yeah, but am I pulling for the Dodgers or the Braves? I don't know. I can't make up my mind because the Giants hate the Dodgers. I'm with the fact checker on this one. I got her back, and so, you know, I don't know. I'm not watching baseball, she, nor nor is she, so we're not watching sleep. Game of the week, what's going to happen? You guys are going to be listening to this. It'll be Dodgers down 2-1 in game four. Dodgers are going to win game four. They're going to play, I guess they do the 2-3-2, two, two, so they'll have one more game at home. They'll go up 3-2. They'll go back to Atlanta, win four straight, and they'll go to the World Series. You heard it here first. Uh, sounds like Big Hawk is taking the Braves or no one at all. Uh, cool, because no, nobody cares at all, point blank. Word on the street. Word on the street, man. There is a lot of shit people care about in this mm-hmm. segment because we have a bunch of weird shit going on in the sports universe. First thing we probably should do is clear up our slightly misrepresented stance on John Gruden. You have to remember, listeners, we, when we made our John Gruden statement, didn't realize that all this other stuff was about to come out the very next day. What an idiot, man. This guy is a moron, got the can, deserved it, and just watching that unfold is pretty spectacular to see, you know, some of the stupid shit that guy said in emails that you gotta know you just can't say. Yeah, I mean that I didn't realize how fucked up John Gruden was. Man, I mean what an asshole. Jesus Christ. Man, it's it's amazing how 
you know, his position where he's like, you know, he's had some big time jobs. He's worked for some, you know, his ESPN gig was really well. Um, and then all of a sudden we see all this stuff that he says and it's just like unbelievable that somebody in, you know, those types of jobs could have that type, those type of feelings or emails, but Hey man. And I even know they, uh, the Raiders actually have, um, I think it's, uh, a, a, you know, openly gay player. Yeah. And, uh, Nassib. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was, uh, that probably hit home for him and man, you just can't do that. It just doesn't make it's not right. Do you think that hundred million dollar contract he well, I guess this happened a lot before that. That was the crazy that was the crazy part to me is like if you work for ESPN, it just goes to show that some of those people are not journalists. You know, because if you work for ESPN, then you understand the danger in pretty much anything you say as as egregiously bigoted as he said, being documented. And he clearly didn't understand that. I don't know what you're doing sending around emails to these guys uh, in, in in a group setting that all it takes is one person to, you know, to run afoul of the group and then they just start feeding this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that part in and of it, forget that he even said it. The fact that he said it in a way that could be, you know, that leaves a paper trail is, is ignorant. And then that, not to mention just how stupid they were, you know, to say this stuff to begin with. What – I find really interesting in this, and this is what one of our old Blue Lily came through wanting to know uh, in our Word on the Street segment, what I feel about Washington football team's role in all of this. And here's what I feel as a Washington football fan. Of course, Gruden's having this conversation with Bruce Allen, who at the time was like the president of the, you know, Washington. And, dude, I hope Washington's whole front office just gets decimated by this whole thing. I hope it comes out that all these Washington people are scumbags and they move the damn team for all I care. Like it sucks so bad being a Washington fan. And the only way they're going to get the owner out, Dan Snyder, the only way they're going to get him out of Washington is, you know, kind of like the Donald Sterling thing. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to force him out because this guy's got so much money. He ain't selling the team. And uh, I mean, I I just, I'm so fed up as a fan. And I think a lot of the other fans are too. It's like, dude, like Washington is like my like aside from UNC, they're like my. T- I've grown up since I was born cheering for this team, right? And when you do that, you feel like you give a lot to an organization. Forget the wins and losses, like dude, that's just part of it. Look at the Cubs, look at the Red Sox, look at a thousand other teams, Lions. Mm-hmm. But like that crosses the line for me. You know what I mean? Like it's just if this is all a game to you, and you got all these people out here that you know this is a like a real part of their lives um, and you can't do any better than what you're doing, then I got nothing for you. No, I agree. Sleep. And I would like to see the reaction that people had when they got these emails, you know, why would he keep sending these emails to the same people? Is it because they, they felt like they laugh at this? I would love to see their responses. And if anybody uh, said, Hey man, you can't tell like, what are you dude? Don't send me this bullshit. Yeah. And you know, it's almost like, these people coming out now, nah, there wasn't any other emails like this, but Hey, they all laughed at this shit. They all, they all like encouraged it. There was a reason he kept sending you these emails mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's accountability across the board in my eyes, but, uh, the Raiders actually won <laughs> this yeah. week. They look good. Good for them. They're a good football team. Yeah. And, uh, so we'll see. They're trying to get all the, the players association is trying to get all the emails to come out. Couldn't support it more. Uh, 650,000 emails. It's hard to believe that there's not more there. The NFL right now says there's not, but 
that real journalists are going to find it, I'm telling you. So it's only a matter of time. You know, somebody else that doesn't seem to have any accountability right now is Ben Simmons. And right as we were coming to record this, it said that we found out Ben Simmons gets suspended after a practice spat. There's not a lot of details on it. Apparently, Doc Rivers kicked him out. I saw a video of him practicing in sweatpants with his cell phone in his pocket. What is your thoughts on Ben Simmons? It seems like, dude, this guy has – at first, I think there was – um you know, a little bit of sympathy for him because he really did get treated like garbage. But then I think he's let this kind of go to his head a little bit and and is kind of acting like a baby. Yeah. You know, my first instinct is, you know, you got to trade Simmons while he has value. I feel like every year, you know, people began out on Simmons being this unbelievable talent. He can be this, he could be that. And then each year we start to see that, you know, he hasn't improved in any area. You know, he's an unbelievable talent. I mean, he has size. He has athleticism. He can pass the ball. He lacks – I mean, he, he just hasn't gotten better skill-wise. And it doesn't seem like Philly is a spot for him. doesn't seem like he's happy either. You know, just getting paid and verifying, your, verifying yourself as a, you know, a good player in the league, that – you know, that – they, you know, when you look back on his career, I think he he's going to be disappointed because he didn't maximize his potential. And I don't think, you know, from the outside looking in, it's almost like he's disrespecting the game. Yeah. You know, you have all this talent and you're not willing to put the work in to be, you know, as good of a player as you can. It almost respects – it makes you respect, like, the great players even more, like LeBron, MJ, Kobe, all these guys. And you have this type of talented kid – who just doesn't want to work like him. And, you know, you have Embiid, to me, is one of the best bigs in the NBA, and you could win a chip with Embiid, but you can't get along and you can't show up and work and put your ego aside. To me, it's just selfish. And if I'm the GM of the Sixers, I'm looking at this team and like, hey, man, we got a lot of talent. We got Tobias Harris, talented player. We got Embiid. We got Danny Green doing some things. And we have some, you know, veteran leadership. Let's trade Simmons and try to get something very good because this could be a you know you know we could contend this year and that's the way they got to go about it. LeBron's getting older, uh, you know Giannis is going to be good. The Bucks are going to be the team, but you know you come out of the East, you know you have a chance to bring home a championship. And when I was in the NBA, you knew LeBron was was going to be in the finals and playing with the Pacers. You know it was just like damn, we missed out on some finals because we played against one of the greatest players of all time and. You know, it doesn't seem like he really respects um, the game. Sleep, what do you think? The opportunity has to be there. I think his what frustrates me about Ben Simmons is like you got guys like Greg Oden who are busts by every, you know, common definition through sort of like no fault of their own. Then you got guys like in a different sport like Demarcus Russell who just was lazy, you know, and he was a bust because he was lazy. Mm -hmm. And Ben Simmons, by every definition, should be considered a bust at this point. He's an above average bust, but coming out of the league, I mean, I mean, out of college, this guy was, I mean, he's 6'11, and he is, he he's is an all star. He is everything Kevin Durant isn't, which are backwards. Kevin Durant is everything Ben Simmons isn't. And I guess Ben Simmons has been an all star, but by every stretch of the imagination, man, I, all right, maybe he's not a bust, but. Dude, his the expectations for him was he's going to be a, in Kevin Durant's category. He's not even Kevin Durant's no, I agree. area code. That you have a great point, and he is a bust. He hasn't really put himself in the upper echelon of uh, you know like that top fifteen tier. Yeah, in my opinion, and it's because I think it's because he, he lacks the mental toughness, and yes. this is absolutely proof of that. And you look at a guy like Chris Middleton. Yeah, and you're like. 
damn, that guy was a killer in the finals. Yep. He doesn't have the Simmons talent. Um, but I agree with you, Sleep. And, um, man, it's just disappointing because, damn, the Sixers have something special. Yeah, they and do. And I, I think the front office realizes how talented these guys are. And I, I would think this is like a issue with a lot of GMs is they see the talent and they're unwilling to part with it because they know what it could be. But to me, from my view, you got to trade this guy. He's not fitting. He's bad for chemistry. You know, he's not getting along with the coach. Uh, I think even Doc Rivers is frustrated. He's this, the one that threw him out. Yeah. In practice. And, yeah. You know, th- it's good that Doc is there because could you imagine if a, it was a newer coach yeah. that didn't have a lot of credibility? Exactly. And, you know, Doc can do that. And, right. Man, it's just frustrating. I would be curious to see who they get. Yep. And in the front office, you got to remember, I mean, their whole thing was this process, right? They mm-hmm. Their fans eviscerated them. And guess what, man? They came out. The, the front office did this exactly right. Their front yeah. office, their fans hated them. They took their time. They put the pieces together. And there's one piece standing in the way right now, and it's Ben Simmons. I think you got to get rid of him. I think you cut him, and nobody's going to bother you. I don't know how salary cap and all that stuff works. I mean, maybe that just doesn't make sense. You can't cut him, but you got to do something. You got to trade him because if you trade his contract is so big, you can get you can get a really good talented player. Yeah, Simmons isn't old. He's he's younger. Um, you know, I think you could trade you at least to, get somebody on the last last year of his deal. You know what I mean? Oh, you get somebody on the last year of the deal, then you open up cap space for next year, yeah. which would be huge. Um, yeah, we'll see how this evolves. I'm interested. Yeah, the other ones, uh, real quickly, uh, Kyrie Irving, man. Like, so here's my beef with Kyrie, and I've had. Well, first of all, he went to Duke. Second of all, he played five games there. Third of all, he thinks the Earth is flat. Fourth of all. I had to go to Big Hawk's birthday party last night and playing a fantasy basketball league. The damn, this ain't even Big Hawk's birthday for like two more weeks. And I had to auto draft my team because I had some other dipshit in the league wanting to go to some play. And unbeknownst to me, they just decide in the stealth of the night that they're going to change the draft time that we agreed to two months ago. And I can't go. So what happens? I have to auto draft. I pre rank my players. I come home. Guess who's on my team? Kyrie Irving. Cannot put him in an injury spot. He's just dead weight. And I hate Kyrie Irving, man. I think he's so full of shit. I think he's so full of himself. I think he has this whole... I think he thinks he is so much more important than he actually is. And and even when he has played, he had that great, great, great year in Cleveland when they won the championship. I mean, he was outstanding. And as much as I hate to say it, he was good and, and, and probably one of the top five players in the league with LeBron that year. But other than that, dude, like – his body of work just doesn't add up to me, man. He's just like kind of there sometimes, kind of there the other times when he's when he's paying attention, when he's trying, when he's focused, he's as good as it gets. But you get that 40 or 50% of the time and the rest of the time you get this drama and this baggage and he acts like he's doing some like, you know, he's on some uh you know, mission for the greater good of the misrepresented or the underrepresented and he's just full of shit to me. I mean, I don't know. You I, make a point, God. and um, I like Kyrie. I think he's one of the best talents out there. But you know, at some point, you know, for me, I just look at this: just just get vaccinated, stop being so damn doing all this extra shit. Um, you know, it's you know, you're one of the best players in the league. You have elite talent, and we're not going to watch you play um, or watch you develop as a player like the greats because you try to like make this humanitarian stand against like, you can't tell me what to do with my body, blah, blah, blah. He says he's doing it for people that are losing their jobs. 
And it's like, what? Like, yeah. what? Okay, so let's say you are doing it for that. What does that do to change it? Does that raise awareness to the fact? Like, everybody already knows that. Yeah. Like, I, you know, anyway, I could get really, really, this is, this is going to border on political if I keep going. And it's just not, I just think it's just so dumb that, you know, he, he's, he's failing to consider everybody else that is around there. Right. Like, cause you said earlier, like when some of those guys win championships, you know, some of the guys down the ladder make more money. Yeah. You know, that that's the difference between it's, it's one thing, Kevin Durant and make a hundred, two, three hundred million dollars. Nobody gives a shit, but there's other people in that organization that get sort of once a lifetime opportunity to be a part of it when they could make more money. And, and I think he's just jeopardizing that. for Yeah. I mean, you, you got a guy who's turned down a $196 million extension. You know, you look at all the people and you get to play a sport that, you know, you say, I don't know if you love it or not, but you know, it's uh, that's pretty good money for doing what you like to do. And you know, the vaccine it's, you know, I, I'm not getting, I don't know how it got political, but Man, this thing isn't harmful. It's not yeah. gonna. It's it's doing nothing but protecting you and us. But you guys can think what you want. Just get vaccinated. You know, you got they surrounded. I mean, this program was built to to be a contender. You got James Harden, who's getting older, Kevin Durant getting older, and you have good young players. And you have Steve Nash as a coach. You've got great assistants. You got a good GM. Do you have a whole foundation to that's just thriving for a a championship and damn near one of the greatest sports cities in the country just just man just do it man ben simmons for kyrie irving what a trade that would be i don't know if you have to be vaccinated in philadelphia but it's a and that's the other thing is it's not an nba adam silver said hey this isn't an nba issue this is a this is like there's a a, at some point there are rules that are put in place you just got to follow them and Mm -hmm. if you don't there's consequences and to, to kyrie's credit i think he understands that he understands that there's consequences, and 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 on one hand, I I really don't like him, but on the other hand, like you know, good for him for understanding the consequences and then standing up despite that. I mean, that's kind of what you got to do if you're gonna you gonna walk the walk. You got to uh, sit the sit, I guess. <laughs> but uh, anyway, another guy full of shit is Russell Wilson, and this is something I was in the group text and nobody thought it was funny until I showed him the video. But before the Sunday night football game, uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson is doing like a two-minute drill on the field by himself. Mm-hmm. And it was such bullshit, man. The only reason, I don't care what anybody says, the only reason he was doing it is because the cameras were on. If anybody that didn't see it, go out and just Google it. It's all over the internet on some of these little funny stories, whatever. The dude is literally in there like you're like you're six years old in the backyard and you don't have a foot. He can't, he's had surgery on his hand, so he can't actually throw a football. Mm-hmm. There's no team, no defense, nobody else, no football, no nothing, just can't. Cameras, and he's out there in shorts and a hoodie, like running around, like literally pretending to be in a huddle and talk to other people and run a two minute drill. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, I back it up, and part of me laughed. I was like, "Man, what the? F- <laughs> like, what is this guy doing?" But I mean, it's what I do on the driving range. Uh, you know, when I go play golf, is I, 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 I picture it, I believe it, and then I do all this stupid absurd shit. But then you go play. <laughs> you can't go play if you I your arm is broken. I try. <laughs> anyway, man, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, we got uh, you know some other stuff going on here, but we're running out of time. Oh, man, this game's boring. 
Sleep dog snoozer of the week. Speaking of the NBA, is the entire first week of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. All the games suck. Nobody cares. So there's really nothing to pick apart here. Uh, I promise you there's some NFL game you can watch that uh, will be equally sedative. So for now, get vaccinated and stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.